Welcome to Unconventionally Speaking, the PSA podcast where we go behind the scenes to learn about the triumphs and tribulations that help shape the careers of our Unconvention 2022 learning gurus and experienced masters. Not only will you get a sneak peek into their session, you'll also gain valuable insight into the speaking business and tips on how to navigate the challenges and opportunities that lie ahead. I'm here speaking with one of the legends of PSA. He runs the Boost program. He's all about sales and systems and making life easier and more successful. Ian Stevens, CSP, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Lovely to be here. Never been better. And thanks for nearly asking. Oh, look, it's an absolute pleasure to not ask you anything. So let's get on to some non-questions, shall we? Hey, uh, now you're going to be presenting at the upcoming Unconvention. You're talking about the sales emphasis model, converting opportunities with ease and flow. But first up, we need to know a little bit about you. So give us the two to three minutes verbal showreel. What do you normally speak on and what really wows your audiences? Well, I, I partner with uh, senior executives and like the sales director who's, you know, not sleeping at night because the revenue numbers aren't happening. And I, I reckon there'll be a few speakers, trainers, coaches at unconvention that will know that feeling where the revenue number quite ain't flowing the way they would like it to. So, yeah, very much sales force effectiveness, putting systems, structure, tools, skills around making that, that, uh, that important number occur. I've heard you present on many occasions and it's always a delight. What is the thing that people consistently say to you, oh, wow, like what what element of what you talk about? Is it something simple? Is it your speedballing? Do you still do the speedballing? So what is it that makes people go, wow? Yeah, the, the speedball, and for those who, who might who might think about it as the speed bag, but the rocky bag, the rocky ball hanging down from the platform. I, uh, you know, for twenty five years, I've dragged that around the world to twenty nine countries, and just quietly, Warwick, I wish I had a taken up friggin' juggling. But uh, anyway, <laughs> it's it's quite the prop. But it is the wow moment for people because it's a great metaphor for mastery. I get a few people out of the audience. They come up, they have a crack. Of course, they're awkward. They don't know what they're doing. And then I work with them over the course of their conference uh, during breaks, train them, coach them. And when I normally do the closing keynote towards the end, you know, they, they come up on stage again and they've, you know, they've gone from pathetic to actually in control of this thing and mastery. And so they normally get a standing ovation from their peers, which is fantastic. And then I throw in my uh, a little routine, my National Speedball Championship routine, which does kind of wow people as to, my God, was that really possible? He's using arms, head, elbows, knees, you name it, all in a three-minute routine to music. But um, it's a great metaphor for mastery and, uh, you know, that's a wow moment. But you know what, Warwick, the, the biggest compliment that people pay to me is when they come up at the end of a program or a keynote and it's like, you just put structure and uh, around simplicity. You've made it so simple that it's doable now, um, and that that to me is a is is a major compliment. Uh, you know, simplicity around the little things that if you do it right, the revenue number will take care of itself. Yeah, so often we love to overcomplicate things, and so to have that simplicity and that structure has got to be a good thing. 
Oh, it's a yeah, overcomplicating things. Uh, you know, that's the real pandemic on this planet. You know, it's it's a disease <laughs> that everyone's bought into. So uh, keep it simple, stupid. You know, critical. That's it. Hey, well, knowing how famous you are, like all Hollywood greats, uh, usually they have a secret career before they were famous. So before you became the legend of sales, what was what was what did you do? What what did you do before you became a speaker? Oh, well, I, w- I was in insurance. I was in general insurance, household insurance. Oh, yeah. How, how exciting, right? But I was-, was it foot in the door insurance? <laughs> I, was the, you know, I wasn't the person knocking on the door, but I was a sales rep in the general insurance world out talking to brokers and farmers and business owners about their insurance your, um, uh, needs. So, yeah, just stop yawning there, please, uh, please, Warwick. <laughs> I became the regional sales manager and then I was an operations manager within the West Farmers Group. So I'm managing large yeah. teams of sales professionals. And so that's, I guess, what gave me the cred around speaking in the area of sales force effectiveness. What took you from that West Farmers sales manager to now professional speaker? Was there a point? Was there a decision? Or did it, was it a, just a gradual drift? How did you get there? Well, this will sound a little woo-woo, but I was doing a I was doing a leadership program called Performax that any supervisor had to do when they were put in charge of people in the West Farmers Group. And I'm sitting up the back participating in this week-long leadership program. And the only way I can describe it, Warwick, there was like a quiet whispering. You know, in, I literally heard a quiet whispering. You know, yeah, I, I don't need to be checked into a funny farm, but it was kind of saying, Ian, that's what you're supposed to be doing. That guy out the front, mm. that's where you need to, you know, look at opportunities that take you down that pathway. And from that day on, I was 25 at the time. From that day on, I just kind of uh, I looked for opportunities to move into the learning, development, education world. And, um, yeah, I made that, made that leap when I was 29. And did you go straight into speaking or was it into training or were you subcontracting for someone else? What sort of, yeah. well, how did you sort of get into it? I was subcontracting for a great mate and mentor of mine, Roger Anthony of Crocodiles Not Water Lilies, a self-leadership team dynamics training program, right? And um, I went out and I, I did it the hard way. I gave up the salary, the company car, the West Farmer shares. Oh, my God, don't talk to me about it. But <laughs> straight into full-time learning and development for this little uh, little consultancy company. And, of course, as I see people, after after six months, I'm living the dream, I'm loving life, I'm running a few training workshops, and I was also dead broke, right? There was too much month at the end of the money. Um, all the money had gone. Nothing's coming in the front door. My ex-wife, because it put too much stress on things financially, she was saying, how are we feeding the kids next weekend? You know, the FPOS has declined Again, you know, how are we getting through the weekend? So it was, it was certainly a challenging time, but, um, you know, I did eventually make a couple of sales. Uh, we sold the house, uh, we sold the car, uh, we sold the laptop, you know, everything had to go, including my daughter's kidney. I haven't told her about that yet, but we'll get there. Uh, she's 28. I think she's mature enough to have the conversation now, but not up until now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, challenging times, but no, I did it the hard way. I, you know, it was, it was two or three years before, you know, things kind of settled down a little and I had a business that would allow me to move on to more than baked beans. Yeah. Was there ever a time when you thought, oh, stuff this, I'm done. I'm going to go back to Wes Farmers or back to an insurance company. I'm just, I'm just done. Um, and, and if so, what happened and why did you keep going? 
Well, it's it, it's a great question. It was it was after my ten year marriage had fallen apart, and I went through what I call my four D period. So I was divorced. Mm-hmm. I was desperate. The bank was calling all the time, and I was a demon supporter. I mean, it just doesn't get much worse. Can't help bad luck. <laughs> and yeah, you know, I I was king hit by life. The ATO was calling. I was behind on my bills. I'm divorced. All that sort of stuff, and that. That's when I actually went as far as giving my resume to a headhunter to see if I could get back into the insurance industry. So this is this right. is, this is about two years into the uh, this wonderful adventure. I decided to take everyone on, and what got me through it was some lessons from the speedball. The speedball is all about momentum and just getting into a rhythm, getting some cadence happening. And, you know, I, I tell people my speedball became, it almost became my Wilson, you know, for uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Off, off the movie Castaway, right? It became my Wilson. I, I would talk to it and it would give me little messages and it was kind of saying, just you know, get up and go one more round, Ian. You know, just get into a rhythm, make a few more calls. And that's what led to a day where the phone rang and I filled in for a sick speaker in Melbourne at a huge big meetings industry showcase and mm-hmm. the audience were the owners of Saxton Speakers Bureau, Winston Broadbent and Annette Moulton, and they saw what I was yeah. doing with the speedball and asked if they could start to manage me and book me and that kind of was the day that things turned but I already yeah. had resumes out to try and get back into a full-time job at that point. So, yeah, yeah. really interesting. One of the things that I've heard you talk about a lot is around that mindset and for anyone who hasn't heard Ian uh, speak, he does get a little bit woo-woo in some of the conversations that he talks about, and I've got to tell you, it's it's very beneficial. So for you, what are some of the, the mindset processes that have helped you get unstuck at that times when you're stuck either with a client and not having enough clients or you know having concern about, oh, my God, what is this year going to bring? How do you move through that? What are some of the mindset that uh, approaches or tricks that you have to, to do that? Well, first of all, it's for, for me, and particularly the last two years, it's just been about maintaining an opportunity-focused mindset and staying resourceful. So, you know, the, the yeah. subconscious mind can't tell fact from fantasy. So I'm not going to go, oh, my God, my business has gone downhill. I've got no clients. You know, that if, if you're thinking that way, that's what you're going to attract more of. It's actually that simple. And you know all this. It's So it's it's about staying resourceful. It's about... I use the word outcome seeking versus woo-woo manifesting type stuff, but you've got to get really clear on the outcome you want to attract. So, you know, the biggest thing I do is I, I add feelings into the formula when it comes to outcome manifestation. So I'm thinking about, okay, let's go forward two months. I may not have many clients now and the bank manager doesn't like the balance I'm talking about my current wife, Karina there. Obviously, that you know, goes without saying. And I'm I'm visualising what's going to happen and then I'm adding in feelings. And Warwick, blokes are not good at this, right? This is the part us blokes aren't good at. Women are much better at it. So I'm visualising what it will be like and feeling what it will be like when the phone rings, emails come through, contracts get signed with ease and flow and money starts dropping into my account. And every time I do that, literally within weeks, you know, the, the results start to occur. 
Um, in neuroscience now, they've proven that if you stay focused on an outcome you want for yourself for more than 68 seconds, just really laser your attention on that outcome, you're actually putting out there energy that is going to start the attraction process to occur. And that's proven by neuroscience these days. So, um, you know, I, I just spend time thinking about what I want and feeling like it's already happened. And that's the attraction key. So if that's too woo-woo for some people, I'm sorry, but that's the truth of the matter. <laughs> and let's delve into that just a little bit. You, talk, you know, you and I have jokingly referred to as woo-woo, but a lot of it is neuroscience or it's NLP or it actually, it, it, it's not just a, you know, magic beans and mung beans and let's look at, you know, coffee grounds and see what the future holds. There's actually science behind it. How important has NLP, because my understanding is you're an NLP master practitioner. Correct. How important has NLP been for you personally and professionally? Look, it's been it's been something that gave me about 38 more arrows I could put in my quiver. Yeah, it's not the be all and end all, but it certainly for me helped put a science around understanding human behavior and why people do what they do. And if we stay in the positive aspect of influencing and don't go to the dark side when it comes to manipulating with some of the NLP tools, then it's very, very, um, uh, very, very practical in terms of being able to understand human behavior, keep yourself in a resourceful state. So for me, there's not a keynote, there's not a training program, there's not an online e-learning program I'm doing that isn't infused with NLP tools or skills somewhere along the line. So it's it's been a defining moment for me when I did my prac and then my master prac in NLP because uh, yeah, it just gave me more skills and tools to throw in with all the other modalities that we uh, we grab on this journey. Uh, now, you say that it's not the be-all and end-all. Has there been anything, any event, any experience, any tool, any resource that has been the be-all and end for you? Maybe not the be-all and end-all, but been something so significant that you're like, oh, I don't know how I actually ran my business without this. Oh, boy. it's um, f For me, it's walking the talk on a model that I, you know, all the boosters know this, that the people that do the boost program through PSA know this model intimately called the sales activity planning model. And it's really making me stay really conscious with my business on how much time am I putting into prospecting and looking for new accounts? How much time am I spending following up on my pipeline and making sure it converts? I have no engagements this week. You know, we're in the, that's the 9th of December when we're doing this. It's the lead up to Christmas. Everything's shutting down. It won't fire up again until the 26th of January in my experience. So I am completely, just the last week has just been following up, securing, following up proposals, getting things across the line for the next year. And then the third mm. thing is it keeps me accountable for how much time I spend with my existing clients. You know, and the wonderful yeah. Winnow Marsh, um, you know, Winston, Winston shared with me uh, a tip once. He said, Ian, if you've been doing this a while and anyone who has, has, here's some gold for you. Do what I did last week. I went out to my filing cabinets. I still have them, Warwick, of every client I've done business for that's got my notes and what I did and my mind maps of the sessions. And he said, just look through your past clients 
And he said, I reckon there's more business there than you can shake a stick at. And I walked back out of where I have the filing cabinets and I had 12 files in my hand and I've rung them all and six of them have gone, funny you should reach out. We're just locking in some stuff for next year and all of a sudden I've got a lot of activity going on. Right, so yep. you know, it's it's a simple model. Three areas: prospecting, securing, and retaining. But what are you going to do to keep yourself accountable to stay on top of those three areas? Because just quietly, and we won't name names, but there have been some people who've been around in speaking and training for a long time who've had to go back to a full time job over the last two years because they yeah. haven't managed that side of their business well. So that is. Me. Uh, look, and speaking of the last two years, the last two years have been, for want of a better term, unique. Uh, so what's the impact been on you and what's different about how you're running your business now versus when you when we started the global pandemic? Well, I am now the co-owner because Karina's helped me. I, I'm now the co-owner of a Enrich Academy. It's our online training academy. And we have, uh, we have all nine of our main programs up and running there now as three month programs, drip fed little e-lessons. And I'm doing monthly deep dive masterclasses with clients. And so I've bundled up my offering now. And Warwick, I'm a bit like you. I ain't going back to the old model. You know, I've had 25 years of 180 to 200 days on the road. I'm loving sleeping in my own bed. I'm loving walking into my presentation studio, just turning the light on and I'm on, right? And they're also turning up. They understand the stuff now. They're educated. They watch the little video clips. And so we can go deeper, faster, further in our in our, our webinars. And it's actually working out really well for clients. They're loving it. My business has grown. Um, so whilst you've got to be careful, you can't be too, you know, jump out of your bones about how great COVID has been for our business because people have suffered. And yet it's taught me to get off the rat race uh, wheel I was on and do business very differently. And I just ain't going back to the old norm. Yeah, yeah. And, and there is an element of that, isn't there? There's like your business, my business, and there's a few others who've actually done very well under COVID. And there's an element of, for want of a better word, survivor's guilt, because we know that there's many businesses, both in the speaking industry and outside, who have suffered if not caused. And so it is that, how do you celebrate what's been successful without rubbing it in people's faces. So that that can be a challenge. Yes, absolutely. And, and I, think, I think the other thing COVID did for me was it got me out of my own way to a degree. I mean, I teach people how to rewire their limiting beliefs and use NLP tools to, you know, help them get rid of that stuff that's holding them back. And here I was with a limiting belief that I could not be as effective in the online space as I am in person. Now, talk about the ego kicking in there. We had three of our nine programs up and running two years before COVID hit in the in, in, you know, e-version of it. But I did nothing to promote it, market it or sell it. Uh, luckily, when COVID did hit, we were able to swing all of our clients over onto that approach rather than me turning up live. And it gave me the downtime to get the other six programs up and running. So it's been an absolute yeah. blessing and, and a great lesson in you know, just making sure you haven't got those niggly limiting beliefs going on that are actually holding you back. Now, so uh, the sales and what you talk about in, in sales and the systemization of sales has evolved over time, but some of the core stuff has stayed the same. What about you with your 
topics and target markets. How much has that changed over the last two or three years? Well, you've watched me actually go from a sales specialist to then bringing in some of my NLP tools and getting into peak performance and, uh, you know, self-leadership and leadership and stuff that I've always dabbled in and played around the edges. But, you know, literally... Two years ago when COVID hit, I made the decision, I'm going back to being the sales guy. I am the sales force effectiveness guy. That's where we play. That is 80% of our revenue. Um, And so I've gone back to really diving into that selected market rather than trying to be all things to all people. I can do the other stuff, but it'll come if existing clients want me to. It's not where I'll put myself out as. And as soon as I made that decision and changed the collateral material at the website and adjusted the LinkedIn posts accordingly, then uh, I think it just made it a lot clearer for people to know, okay, that's Ian's space, whereas before I was actually confusing them. So I've gone on this kind of interesting journey and come back to my core and and what I'm good at and what all the, the material I've evolved over a long time points towards. Do you ever doubt that? Do you ever go, oh, focusing on sales, I'm missing out on a bit bigger market. Maybe I could do just a couple of other little things. Do you ever have doubt around that? Oh, yeah, you you do, but I'm lucky. I've got Karina and a great PA now, a virtual PA, who holds me accountable and goes, but Ian, that's not in alignment with who you really are and what you put yourself out there as being. So like I said, I'll, I'll take the engagements that play in some of those sexy areas that I love to do but I I don't go actively chasing them anymore. So with your business, now that you're doing a lot of it online, what's your ratio of revenue? Is it, and I know it's weird because the last two years have been very much all online or virtual, but are you 20 to 30% of your your business is coming from keynotes and trainings and the rest is coming from online? Are you 100% online now? What sort of, are there any other ways that you generate revenue, like product sales, et cetera? I'm 90% online virtual training bundles, you know, where they're doing a three-month process and then I'm turning up monthly to do their masterclasses via Zoom or Teams or whatever they're using. You know, the only face-to-face client I've done in the last, like, six months is one who's in Brisbane. It was a 40-minute drive, and I was in in, in a room with 10 live human beings. But what I've got to say, I got back from that, and I was exhausted. Uh, And it's like, I'm not fit to it anymore. I'd much rather just walk into my facilitation room, turn on the light, let's go, let's do a deep dive. They're already across all the concepts they've been learning for the last four weeks, and now we integrate it. So... Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So 90% is online and what I'm doing, clients who have put their entire you know, sales team through the process, they are then in phase two looking at buying the intellectual property rights. So where they're getting access to yeah. all the videos and all the downloads and the, you know, the train the trainer model. Cool. Well, let's look forward. So the last couple of years, you know, and I and I get from my my nerdy geeky self loves the idea that COVID's actually accelerated our use of technology by about ten years uh, because we had to. So take us ten years out with your business in your wildest dreams. What does it look like? Are we doing? VR headsets, are we hologramming, are we, you know, what are we doing? Are we still talking about hybrid? What do you reckon that's going to be like 10 years from now? Yeah, I think we will be, um, you know, the whole hologramming in will be uh, will be huge. 
And so, you know, I'm starting to look at how that works now and try and get ahead of the uh, ahead of the curve on that. I think we will never return to the old model 100%. So virtual is here to stay. But you've got to sell it. You know, I'm finding I've got I've got some clients saying, you know, we get it, Ian. We just want to get people back in the room at the moment. They're kind of, you know, they're, they're zoomed out. But I am selling them on the concept of it's actually a better learning process for your participants to do it this way. Um, so I think we will be um, we'll be beaming in a lot more, and it'll be virtual. If you are only a keynote speaker that has to turn up live. Um, you know, that to me has danger signs attached to it in the world that we're now living in. Yeah, I'd rather yeah. add some breadth and depth to what we're doing. All right. I'm going to go through some rapid fire questions. But before we do that, I, I want to talk about Unconvention 2022 because that's what this is all about. Uh, tell us a little bit about your session. What sort of things are we going to be hearing about? What what are the takeaways going to be and what's got you excited about it? You know, when I talk to uh, to speakers, trainers, coaches, anyone who makes a living out of speaking, I, I notice them and particularly when I watch and observe and uh, sit in on some calls that I do with, uh, with some of the people doing the Boost program and I watch them get so excited about what they've got for this potential client that they their, their emphasis wanders all over the place. Right? Um, you don't have to always sell a client on the idea of having Warwick Merry host the event. They might already be there, right? Um, what you might have to do is place your emphasis on building confidence that I'm your guy, right? Um, it might be, Warwick, that they're considering you against two or three other options that they could go with, right? So you might have to be placing your emphasis on uh, on you know you on leveraging yourself over the competitor, and then there'll be some logistics stuff. So you know, without going into detail on the model, I'm going to introduce people to the sales emphasis model that that I teach sales professionals. And let's let's face it, a lot of speakers, trainers, coaches are actually they're great at their content, but not necessarily the best salespeople in the world. So this is a simple way of knowing with an opportunity in the pipeline or at any meeting I'm attending, whether it's virtual or or face-to-face where you're trying to get a contract across the line or get a gig booked in the diary, this is a simple framework about recognising where you need to place your emphasis and not wasting time on the other three of the four that I'll introduce you to. So I'm looking forward to a really practical session where I can, you know, equip people with that tool and, and give it to them as a bit of a thinking engine as to where they play whenever they're on the phone or on meetings or face-to-face trying to get some more contracts locked into their diary. Now, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure if anyone will be interested in that, Warwick. What do you reckon? Uh, you know, i uh, just not, not really sure. It's very interesting, though. You talk to speakers and, and you're right, they love they love what they do, but they go, oh, but I'm crap at sales or I'm not very good at this. And, and uh, it was taught to me very early on at PSA that speaking is a hard way to make easy money. Yes. So once you're on stage, most speakers know what they're doing and do it really well. It's the getting on stage. So that's, I think this session is going to be superb in terms of giving some tips on how do I get on the stage, put money in the pocket so I'm not worrying about mm, what flavour of two-minute noodles will I be eating this week. Yeah, absolutely. And I won't be talking at you for an hour. This will be me kind of giving you a quick and dirty download of the theory for 15 minutes and then let's yeah. do some little huddles and look at 
actual real life things you've got going on in your pipeline right now and where do you need to be yeah. placing your emphasis to get it converted so very much practical application and group play during this session Awesome. Looking forward to it. Let's wrap it up with a bit of rapid fire. I'm going to give you some questions. Just give me the answers as they come to mind. What's your favourite online platform for running events? Zoom, by far. Woo-hoo. Teams. Yeah, there you go. Teams, yuck. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. What's your favourite tech hack? Always be logging in with my iPad as well, so I've got chat in a separate on a separate device. I just love that tip. I think it was Michael McQueen that mentioned it at convention last year or the one before, and and that was just gold to me. So I don't have to be worried about you know going to chat and looking at it and all that stuff. Fantastic. Favourite productivity hack? Oh, Struth. Um, you know, I've gone back in the last 12 months to using one of those, uh, what do you call it? There's a name for it, the progress board. Here's everything I've got to do, but I only put three things into the to-do column uh, and then I move them over into done. And that for me has kept me really productive and not overwhelmed. So the old visual productivity board. Nice. What's your favourite meal? My favourite meal, we had it last night. I'm a simple guy, just a good serve of Mexican tacos. Fantastic stuff. Uh, your favourite holiday spot or where do you want to go once the borders have opened up again? A health retreat called Kamalaya over in Thailand. Uh, I had 10 days there and I just felt absolutely so relaxed. It was uh, You were incredibly supported. So look it up, Kamalaya health retreat. Fantastic. What would you choose, wine, beer, gin, vodka or tequila? Actually, I I don't drink Warwick, but what I do have is a de-alcoholised scotch. It tastes just like the main thing and I have a lovely non-alcoholic scotch and dry. Fantastic. Uh, If you could have dinner with any three people in the world, who would they be? Ah, dinner with three people in the world. Jeez. I'd go with Dr. David Martin at the moment, who's getting in the face of um, of everyone around this whole COVID uh, pandemic. He would be interesting to have a chat to. Um, who else would I have along? Robert Redford. I've always just admired him as an actor. I'd love to have a conversation with him. And Robert Diltz, the author of The Logical Levels of Change slash Influence, or Diltz Ladder as it's nicknamed. I love the work he did in that area. So he'd be a great dinner guest as well. Fantastic. And finally, what's your favourite book or podcast for professional inspiration? For professional inspiration? Oh, well, you know, this, this again will sound a little woo-woo, but um, I, every couple of years, I go back to The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle or Tolle, depending on how you want to say it. it. It just grounds me to really stay present with my business rather than worrying about the future or reflecting and regretting the past. So that's the one, that's my stable foundation read every couple of years. Fantastic. Hey, Ian Stevens, CSP, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. And I look forward to seeing you at the 2022 PSA Unconvention. Can't wait. See you there. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Unconventionally Speaking. We have over 30 unspeakers of this caliber at Unconvention on the 25th and 26th of March. So grab your seat today. Just click the link included in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone that you know who would also get value from this conversation. And follow or subscribe to the show to ensure that you never miss an episode. See you all at PSA Unconvention 2022. This episode is sponsored by your podcast concierge. 
podcast production for speakers who want to increase their authority and generate leads from their show. You press record and let them do the rest. And to this, I can personally attest. 